Hello and welcome back to It's Your Money, the prudent, careful, frugal podcast that helps you understand how to plan your savings and your investments. This time, it's the end of the tax year. We've already had the pleasure of sending a big cheque to HMRC, but what should we be thinking about for the next year? I'm Andrew Harrison, and here with the financial wizardry as ever, it's Andy Mayer. How are you, Andy? Very well, thank you, Andrew. It's lovely to be back in the studio again. Yes, we're doing it face-to-face. This is very, very exciting. So we've had two big confidence-knocking bits of news since we did the last podcast. House prices have had their biggest annual fall in 10 years. According to Nationwide, they've dropped 1.1%. And also, coincidentally, suddenly, tomatoes cost 25 quid each and you have to reserve them specially. That The house price fall, what, what does this mean? It's the first annual fall in 10 years. You have to look at things on a positive note. This is going to help first-time buyers get on the market easier. I don't care about them. I'm not one of them. <laughs> but I see what you mean, yes. But there is always a positive. So it's actually a rationalisation of prices. And they, because interest rates have gone up, mm-hmm. people are going, I can't afford that. So it's supply and demand. And it might allow younger people to start looking at houses and think they can get on it before they're age 75 now. Mm. So there is a rationale of this having a benefit. But whether your house is worth 300 or 270 mm. it's irrelevant unless you're remortgaging or selling it. Because mm. we all go, oh, I've got an asset. Your home is not an asset. It's a liability. My house costs me money every week. Until I sell it and realise the money from it, mm. it's still a liability. So whether my house is worth 700 400 or 200 it's irrelevant till I want to sell it. And the vegetable shortage, which is just bizarre. I mean, this is kind of, uh, there have been lots of, advan- of explanations advanced for this, everything from Brexit to the war in Ukraine. You know which one I think it is. What's this saying about our economy? What I should have said last year, we were looking at China and Germany for opportunities for investments. We should have gone into tomatoes. Let's face <laughs> it, an asset allocation of tomatoes, we'd have all been making a fortune. Tomato futures. <laughs> so let's look at the future specifically the new tax year and the end of the old one. The new tax year is when we all get a do-over or at least a chance to think about it. Andy, you know, at this time of year, from the change from one tax year to the next, what what are the prime things you're thinking about? I think a lot of people now go, it's March. Let's have a look what we can use. So if people hadn't used their ISA allowances or their pension allowances, haven't invested for the children, this is the sort of, it's the 23rd, 24th of December, your Christmas shopping, you haven't bought somebody a present, you go, oh my God, I better do it. So there's a lot of money goes into the market in the last month because people have been budgeting so much for their ISA or so much for their pension, the savings, and suddenly they have a bit of surplus and they put it in. I mean, you've always been a big proponent of using your full ISA allocation. Why are stocks and shares ISAs particularly good and why particularly why they're better than cash ones? I think cash ISAs have a purpose, like national savings, for rainy day money, emergency funds. But over a 10-year period, stocks and shares, I've never seen any performance where a cash ISA has outperformed stocks oh. and shares. And if you think a lot a lot of people use stocks and shares for long-term savings to supplement pensions, they grow tax-free. You're investing in the stock market. And all of us invest in the stock market every day when we go to Tesco's and buy a shopping, or we go to BP and buy a fuel, or we pay outrageous energy bills where they're taking a fortune out of all of our pockets. Uh-huh. So we might as well invest in these companies and share some of their profits. And I think stocks and shares ISAs are an absolute great thing. So waiting to the end of the year doesn't exactly make sense, but if you have done, you should try and use up your allocation. Yeah, as long as you can see it's a long-term investment. I think some people in the past have seen stocks and shares ISAs or cash ISAs as a Christmas club. You put your £4,000 in or your 5000 or your 10000 in when you get out for a holiday, it, which is wrong. If you look at this as a long-term investment and you've got three or £4,000 worth of allowances left, use it mm. because... 
let's face it, it doesn't matter what happens after March, she's budget, and with an election coming up in a couple of years, taxes are not dropping. Something's happening, we suspect, with ISIS. I found the terrifying fact that the government loses more than $3.35 billion in tax every year. And there's now a kind of a, a bit of a motivated block saying that uh, ISA allowances should be capped. The, uh, the think tank, the Resolution Foundation, is urging Jeremy Hunt to cap the total you can save at £100,000. Are the days of the ISA kind of as the best vehicle for saving yourself kind of numbered, do you think? If that gets introduced, I think it'll have a dramatic impact on savings in this country. Hmm. Massive. Because if you think about... There was a report came out recently that said 50% of taxes are basically funding pensions, right? So if people aren't investing in the stock market, so a lot of people who invest in stocks and shares, ISAs, pensions, are less reliant on the state. So if we end up quashing it to 100,000, we've got clients who've got three quarters of a million between husband and wife in stocks and shares, ISAs. And they've invested in this country. They've invested globally in their stocks and shares, ISAs. If they do this then I think it will have a dramatic impact on reliance again on the state. There's also a report that Hunt is looking to increase the pension lifetime allowance because he's realised there's a drain of middle-aged people going, I've hit 1.1 million on my pension. That's me, I'm done. I don't want to pay any more tax. Hmm. So there's an awful lot of things going on, but I think if he reduces the ISA limit to £100,000, it'll be catastrophic. Okay. Um, while we're talking about Jeremy Hunt, what about the end of tax year and your capital gains tax? Because he's just cut the CGT threshold from £12,000 to £6,000, and it's going to go down again to £3,000. So a lot of people use what they call general investments accounts or open-ended investment accounts. If they've got a lump sum of money to put it into, filter into their individual savings account. Mm-hmm. This is going to affect people who are, again, investing in single company shares. So if you've bought for example, GSK shares, and you had a hundred grand in it, and it suddenly made ten thousand pound in two years. You're paying tax on it. Yeah. So it'll lead to accountants finding loopholes, but it's going to hurt the people who are saving into British companies. And I think it's. I think what he's done is really dangerous. And I understand there's a tax deficit, mm. but I don't think this is the way to do it. And I think reducing capital gains tax on things like general investments accounts, is really going to make a lot of people second-guess what they invest in. And getting back to this end of tax year, beginning of tax year thing, there are ways to use an ISA to kind of build up a second income, aren't there, if you invest for long enough? I've got clients who've, like I said, got three quarters of a million pound in them, and they're taking £30,000 to £35,000 a year tax-free income. I love ISAs, but if they cap it at £100,000 for future contributions, I think they'll have real issues. It's like... The pension cap at 1.25. A lot of people now go, well, I'll fund it, get to that, and then I'm retiring. Mm. And this is why Hunt is looking at it, because you've suddenly got a lack of middle-aged people. And nobody, none of us like paying tax. My local MP certainly dislikes it. But you've got a lot of people who go, I'll use the tax thresholds to their maximum. We have to be careful that we stop the breaks, because it will stop incentivizing people to save. Right. And if we stop people saving... We go back to reliance on the state again. So one thing is use up your ISA allowances. And you mentioned pensions. What should people be doing about pensions at this time of year? If you've, again, got disposable income and you've got savings, you get tax relief at your highest marginal rate. So if you're a 40% taxpayer, you get 40% relief, 20 on basic on your contribution and 20% through your tax coding. So if you've got the opportunity, why waste a tax break? Because, like I said, and I 
like you've said about capital gains tax, tax breaks are getting lesser and lesser. They're not increasing. So if you've got money that you can afford to tie up, pensions are great for tax relief and you're going to secure yourself a better income in retirement. I read, I may be wrong in this, that you can bring forward unused allowances for three tax years. Yeah, you've got carry forward, carry back. So if you've been, but you get a maximum of £40,000 per tax year. Right. But you've also had to earn £40,000 in that year. So if you've only earned £10,000, you can't put forty in in that one year. You can only use 100% of earnings. And is that, that's all earnings. So if, for instance, you're a freelancer and you're getting dividends. Ah, well, you've, but then it starts breaking. There's certain rules. You can't use property, income and other things. So... One of the things I've always said to people is, if you're going to do this, make sure you've checked the rules, use an accountant or use a financial advisor, because I've known people fall foul of the rules, Andrew. Right. Okay. You're looking at me. (laughs) (laughs) Andrew, I'm not saying anything, but the VAT and HMRC are outside the studio. Right. Okay. Uh, We better be quick on this one then. So tell us in what way the pension rules are are going to be changing. Pension rules changed on a number of years ago, called the Pension Simplification Act. It was longer than War and Peace. (laughs) Really, the manuals are ridiculous. But what you've got, you're allowed £40,000 per annum as long as you've used it. Yeah. And you get two years, well, you get this year and two other years unused relief. But again, you're looking at people who are earning good money. They've got a limit of just over a million. If you're earning over 150000 you've got a limit of £4,000. So the the amount of tax breaks available to people over the last decade has diminished mm. considerably. So my piece of advice is if you've got the disposable income and disposable capital to maximise the tax breaks now mm. before they change or they get less, please do so because once it's gone, this is what we will say about the tax year end, once it's gone, it's gone forever and you can't go back on your ISA. You might be able to do with your pensions – but with the budget coming up, a massive a massive deficit, mm. there doesn't look like there's going to be many more new tax breaks coming up. And you also, before we started recording this podcast, you made a note about don't forget to get them to check the state pension. Yeah, your BR19 is absolutely huge. There's a, there's a new rule coming in that previously you were able to catch up your state pension uh, unused years. So people who've had maternity breaks, maybe travelled abroad or had redundancies where they've only worked part of the year. You were able to go back on any year. Now, after April the 6th, the new tax year, you can only back tax six years. So please, please check your BR19. You just go to www.gov.uk, name, date of birth, national insurance number, and it will tell you unused, unused contributions. It's not a lot to make a full year. And the state pension is now, after April, over £10,000, which doesn't seem a fortune in retirement. But £10,000, if someone turned up now, Andrew, and said, I'll give you a £10,000 pay rise, mm-hmm. I'd take it. Yeah. And you've paid it. We've all paid into our national insurance. So get the maximum you can. And it's a real cornerstone of pension retirement for an awful lot of people. It pays the basic cost of living mm-hmm. for a lot. So please maximise it. We've paid into it. Everyone, get the maximum you can. And sometimes it's a few hundred pounds to maximise your benefits. So we've got use your ISA allowance, top up your pension if you can, check your state pension. What about sort of tax in general? Sort of you know, do we, as you mentioned, Hunter's got an, uh, a nightmare. He's got a black hole to fill. He's got the Kamikaze <laughs> trust thing to, to to pay for. What are we expecting from tax in the new tax year? It's not going to get any better. 
Mm-hmm. What I do know is that people who are, there's two salaries, and one of them is a high-rate taxpayer and one is a basic-rate taxpayer, you can move allowances across. It's not a fortune. It saves you a couple of £100 a year, about £252 a year. Mm-hmm. So, again, I would recommend use an accountant. Get an accountant to look at your overall situation, or you might be able to do it online yourself. It's like when you get on a plane. I want to get on a plane, and I know there's going to be turbulence, and I want the plane to say, my name is Sully. I'm an experienced pilot. I'm not getting into a plane with Sully. Hey, he saved them when they got on the river. He did. The Hudson. And he was perfect. Lightning can strike twice, you know. But what you don't want to do is get on a plane and someone goes, hi, my name's John. I've just finished the Google course on how to <laughs> fly a plane. You yeah. want someone who's an expert. So if you're looking at tax and none of us want to pay any more, you've got a news relief. Speak to a financial advisor, speak to a tax expert, but utilise every allowance mm. you're being given and if you've got one person who's earning more and you're in a higher rate band, use some of your allowance, pass them over. £250 a year is worth having. Okay, Doug. Um, you also thought it would be a good idea to talk about venture capital trusts and how they might work for higher tax rate payers. Now, this has come up previously on the podcast. Yeah. Refresh our memories. Basically, a venture capital trust is, in some ways, a UK smaller company. So it will be people, it will be companies like Grey's, originally Zoopla, Love Film, Gymbox. And if you put a basket of them together, of 10, say, companies, two will do spectacularly well, two will go bust, six will ge- generally trot along. You can expect 4 to 5 to 6% a year return, generally. But if you give £10,000 in a venture capital trust, you get 3000 a 30% tax break straight away. Now, for people who are on £150,000 plus and they've only got 4000 into pension, this is a great way of getting tax relief or saving on tax but you have to hold them for five years. Mm. Once you hold that for five years, Andrew, so if you invested 10, mm. you got your three grand tax back, so you've actually netted seven. Five years later, let's say you get back 10. Mm. You hold it for six months. You can reinvest that 10 again, mm. get another £3,000 break, 30%. So over an 11-year period, if you reinvest the original capital, you get a 60% break. 30% for the first five years, mm-hmm. wait six months to reinvest that money, another 30% on the same money. Now, there is risk to capital. They're not a straight-line graph. They're volatile. They're high risk. Mm. But at the moment, it's a very, very good tax break. And if you can look at these long-term, sort of fever tree are a great example, doing really well. They're a venture capital trust company. So there are some really good companies out there, but the tax breaks are excellent and it's worth looking at. Okay. Um, finally... Inheritance tax. Now, obviously, nobody wants to think about this, but other ways of planning around it, you know, uh, give you a gift before the end of the tax year or whatever. I mean, what's the basic threshold is what? You've got £650,000 as a couple, but it can be uplifted to a million with the nil rate ban, which is slightly complicated to explain mm-hmm. on a podcast. And as my mother says, I have the perfect face for radio. We're not going to do this <laughs> on a screen. But inheritance tax, in some ways, Andrew, you can't get out of income tax. Yeah. Inheritance tax is voluntary. There are planning tools that are on HMRC's website, such as business relief, such as gifting out of surplus income, that allow you to reduce your inheritance tax threshold. Bruce Forsyth was a master of using what they call trusts. Mm. Died with an absolute fortune of money, but he trusted most of it away. Other people don't, and they get done for inheritance tax. There is something called business relief, which if you... If you've got your electricity or energy through a company called Octopus, 
Everyone thinks they're an energy company. They're not. They're a venture capital company and a business relief company who've grown so much. And business relief, if you invest £100,000 and you survive two years, that is outside of your estate. Now, there are risks to things like this, such as venture capitals. They're risky. Mm. But there is an element of risk of walking down the road. There's an element of risk of supporting Celtic in cup finals. It makes you stressed. (laughs) But there is an element of risk. But there's some great tax break and inheritance tax. And we're hoping next time to have a good solicitor on, which is often difficult to use the word good and solicitor in the same (laughs) sentence. But we're hoping to have an inheritance tax expert on to help people because inheritance tax is not compulsory. There are ways around it to mitigate it and reduce it, but it needs planning. Okay, Doug. Any other things people should think about around now? The end of the year, with ISAs, you have junior ISAs where you can invest money for children. Mm Mm-hmm. There are long-term savings ISAs for people who want to get a buying a house. There are a range of incentives out there that people should use. When you get a tax break, take everything, but look at what your circumstances is. Just because Joe and Margaret down the road are doing something doesn't mean it's right for you. Mm-hmm. Take financial advice. If, if people are listening to this and they've got friends, get them to go and see their financial advisor. If someone wants to ring us, ring us. We can put them in touch with accountants. We can put them in touch with inheritance tax specialist but tax is so difficult at the moment and with the cost of living crisis every one of us is trying to save in the most diligent tax efficient way so when you get an allowance and you've got the money use it andy useful as ever that's the end of this edition of the podcast the clock is ticking listeners you've got a month to get it sorted or andy will be chasing you <laughs> he chases me thank you andy for coming in as always andrew it's a pleasure what you're to next I'm going to go and have, because I've given up for Lent white wine, so I'm going to go and have a very, very large glass of red. I think that's called cheating. <laughs> um, we'll see you next month. Listeners, remember, you can follow It's Your Money on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or a multitude of podcasting platforms. The next edition will then come to you seamlessly. Hope you found it useful. We'll see you next time. Hold up. 